Well, Christmas is this week. Crazy to think about, right? It's already here. It's this week. Uh, here at Grace, um, we, uh, we got a lot of stuff going on, especially this week. We got five Christmas services, which we're excited about. A lot of people have put in, um, a lot of our volunteers have put in a lot of time and effort, and so uh, it, it's going to be excellent, and it's going to be great. And so I want to make sure you guys are back here for at least one of those. We're going we're gonna to kick it off on Thursday. We have one on Thursday uh, evening, and then we got two on Christmas uh, Eve, and then we got two next Sunday on the 26th. So they're all basically the same services. There are a little bit, a few differences, but, uh, but make sure you're back here for at least one of those. And then I also want to remind you to uh, make, sure you're, make sure you invite somebody to church for one of those services throughout this next week. Uh, for some reason, I don't understand this. I don't get it. It doesn't make any sense to me because this is the busiest time of year for almost everybody. But, um, but for some reason, this is the, Christmas time is the best time to invite people to church. It just is. I don't get it. It makes no sense to me. But uh, that's why we have so many services, and that's why we have so many people that uh, come to church during this time. It's like people, I don't know, it's like the Christmas spirit. They want, like, you know, their Jesus fix for the year during this time. I think that is something like that. But, uh, but I, just want to, I just want to encourage you guys to invite. That's what we, um, our church, is what we're called to do. Um, this morning as I was driving in, sometimes I think about this, not probably often enough, but uh, I was driving in, I have to drive through Tiffin, and I'm just like looking at the houses, you know, as I'm driving past house after house after house, and, um, and you know, I'm just thinking about it. I'm just like, I wonder if the family that lives here is going to heaven or hell. It's a legit question. All right, I wonder if that guy walking his dog, all right, if that guy knows Jesus. I wonder if this, you know, it's, it, that's what we should be thinking about. And I just want you to remind you, we've talked about this, you know, we talked about this a whole bunch last year, but our city, our responsibility, okay, and there's no better time in the year to invite people to church where I guarantee you they're going to hear what Jesus has done for them during those five services than this week, all right? So as a church family... Get on it, all right? We got it. Well, I'm included in that. We got to get on this. The best way to do that, or one of the best ways, I think, is, is through our, you've been, you've been gifted cards. Um, AJ was talking about this earlier. We got them. They're sitting out in the, in the atrium. But uh, basically, that's where we've, you know, just a thing that we do, and a lot of you guys have been doing this for years with us, but uh, where we do something nice for somebody around us, our neighbor, or coworker, somebody, random person we don't know. Um, and, uh, and we give them a card that just invites them to church. So super easy way to do that. Um, again, like what AJ was saying, if you're going like, to leave somebody a tip and leave them a card, all right, make sure it's not like your little $3 tip. I know how some of you guys are. It's like, well, you, sh- you were a terrible waitress, so you shouldn't have even gotten that 3 You're lucky to get that $3 you've been gifted, you know, come to grace. Don't do that. Don't embarrass us, okay? I'm saying you lay down like a 20 or a 50 depending on where you're at, something significant that's like, hey, all right, some, this is something you're going to remember. You should come check out our church. There's people in our church, some of you guys even sitting in here, um, that you have, you started coming to church and people have given their lives over to Jesus because some random person found them at the store, paid for their groceries at Walmart or Kroger or wherever, or someone paid for their gas or somebody gave them a tip and they started coming. Actually, I was at, just at a restaurant um, last week. This was in Sandusky. And the, the waiter, he opened up his, like, you know, their, like, little book thing that they write things in. He opened that up, and there was a grace card in there. And I'm like, hey, what's that? And he's like, I don't know. Someone just gave it to me last week. But he's had this card, and, and I'm like, hey, you should come to church. So really easy to invite people to church. Anyway, use them. It's a good thing. 
as a church family, as Christians, we should know what it means to give and be generous, okay? And just a, this is a perfect time of year to do that. Um, actually, we view Christmas season as the time of year where we give. But it's also the time of year where we get, right? How many of you are excited about that, that second part? How many, uh, don't, don't be shy. There's no shame. And how many of you guys like to get stuff, right? Okay, well, most of you guys are like, nope, not me. I'm a Christian, okay? The rest of us, we're honest, and you guys are liars, okay? So I'll be honest. I like getting presents. I like, I like getting stuff. I'm not, I'm not ashamed about it. My, uh, my mother-in-law, she always said that I was the hardest person to shop for. I don't think that's true. I think she's just making it into a bigger deal. A couple of years ago, uh, she, um, she got a new job working at a distributor, a place that distributes tools. Is Yeah, it's the best career move she ever made, okay? <laughs> and so super excited about that. So now every birthday and Christmas, guess what I'm getting? I'm getting like, I'm talking like the nice stuff, like name brand things, that, that tools that if they, if they break, they won't break. But even if they were to break, they replace them free of charge for the life of the tool. You know, these are tools I'll be able to give to my great, great, great grandchildren saying, here's this big crescent wrench, you know. You'll use this in life, you know, and, and I used it when I was in my 20s, you know, that type of thing. And so, uh, and so I am legitimately excited to open up a present from my mother-in-law. Not many of you can say that, <laughs> but I can. She knows what I want, all right? See, I think it's very easy for us to make Christmas about what I want, okay? And, and it might not even be like physical presents, like the presents wrapped underneath the tree or, what, you know, it might not even be that. But it's like, hey, I want my time off. I want my vacation. I want my bonus. I want to, I want to be happy or I want a stress-free Christmas, which is sometimes that doesn't happen, right? Or I want my family here. Or I just want everybody to get along. Or I just want even some people, like I was mentioning just a second ago, some people, they, just like, they even want a little church. Like, it's like they don't care about Jesus for the whole year except for Christmas and maybe even Easter. It's like during this time, they're like, yeah, I'll take, a, I'll take a little Jesus in my life. But we all hide behind the fact that we also give. So we give, we give, we give. And that's kind of what we view. We view this as a season of giving, where we all do this and we all feel good about ourselves, but we also expect, expect things in return. See, sometimes this is simple. Maybe it's not like a physical thing back in return, but sometimes it's like, you know, a, a thank you. I expect a thank you. I expect a little recognition. But the fact that we expect things in return kind of takes away from us giving. Does that make sense? Kind of does. And so that's just what Christmas has grown into in our culture, but that's not how it was the first Christmas. Now, last week, we started going through the Christmas story, and uh, we were talking about how the Jewish people were waiting for this Messiah for, for a really long time. And Messiah is just an old word for Savior. So they're waiting for this Savior that God had promised. Why? Because mankind chose to sin. We, and we're all included in that, we chose to do wrong, and we are messed up people. And when we did that, that really messed up everything around us. That messed up nature. That messed up the world around us. That brought in sickness, disease, and pain, and just all this stuff that we don't want. And most importantly, that messed up our relationship with God. Like our relationship with God was broke. That's not how God originally made us to be. So God came up with a plan, and he chose this guy out of, out of nowhere, basically this guy named Abraham, to institute that plan. This is way back in the first book of the Bible in Genesis. And he tells Abraham, and he says, hey, through your family line, Abraham, I'm going to save the world. 
I'm going to fix this whole problem. I'm going to fix this relationship uh, issue that all mankind has. And he did that through the Jewish people. And so the Jewish people, they waited for thousands of years. And during that time, they weren't like perfect by any means. They're a messed up, broken people just like we are. And so God sends them prophet after prophet after prophet. And prophets are basically just messengers from God. So God sends a messenger saying, hey, this is what God says. You guys need to get right with God and you need to start, you know, you need to go back to God. And don't forget the Messiah is coming. The Savior someday is coming and it's an exciting thing. And so God kept sending prophet after prophet after prophet and then silence for 400 years. And the Jewish people waited until one day an angel shows up to this guy named Zechariah. I mean, can you, can you picture how long that would be to wait 400 years? Like, I, I find it hard just to wait for lunch, let alone 400 years. And so one day this angel shows up to Zechariah. First time in 400 years there's been like any communication between God and his people. And he comes to Zechariah, which we talked about last week, saying, hey, the Messiah is coming now. And that's the start of the Christmas story that many of us are just really unfamiliar with. And if you're unfamiliar with it, go listen to last week or go watch last week's message online. But uh, as you know, Zechariah isn't the only one that the angel came Two, right? This is not the only one that the angel goes to. A few months later, we see that the angel goes to somebody else. So uh, Luke chapter 1, verse 26 says, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth. Now, there's a few things you need to know about Nazareth real quick. Uh, Nazareth is just an insignificant, small, tiny village country town place. Okay? I'm picturing like Attica, New Regal, you know, uh, Bloomville Republic, where the most exciting thing you got going on is the grain bins, okay? That's it. That's what Nazareth is. Not, I'm not trying to step on anybody's toes. I'm just speaking truth here. But, um, but that's, that's what's going on. That's what Nazareth is in this setting. In fact, Luke describes Nazareth, where Nazareth is because he knows, right, that most of his readers probably don't, have never even heard of it before. So he's like, you know, He's like, hey, he's, this angel was sent by God to a town in the region of Galilee, a lot bigger of a region, and this little town is this tiny little insignificant place called Nazareth. Uh, Nazareth. We, um, they didn't even have a good reputation. We see later on in Jesus' ministry, when he's when he first starting off, he's gathering his, his 12 disciples, meaning his main guys, his crew together, and uh, there's this guy named Nathaniel, and some guys come up, they're like, hey, we found the Messiah. It's this guy named Jesus. We found the Savior, the one that God had promised us long ago. He's finally here. And, and Nathaniel's like, well, where is he from? And they're like, oh, he's from Nazareth. And he's like, no good can come out of Nazareth. He's like, there's no way. So here's this place that nobody knows of. It's super tiny. It's insignificant. It's played no major role throughout history. It didn't even have a good reputation. And God sends his angel to this town. He says, he sends his angel to this town to a virgin who's engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name <clears throat> was Mary. So here we're introduced to Mary. She's roughly around 15 or 16 years old. Back then they got married a lot younger and started their families a lot younger. They also died a lot younger, okay? So their families were just, or their, their lives were just kind of condensed more. And uh, we learn a few things about Mary. Number one, she's a virgin. Some of you guys are like, okay, I don't know why that's such a big deal. We'll kind of get to that in a second. Um, some of you middle schoolers, you're blushing right now, and that's totally fine. But, uh, but not only is she a virgin... But she's also engaged to this guy 
named Joseph. Now, engagement back then was a little different than how we do this today. Back then, what, what would happen was that a young man would and his fiance would get legally married, but then they would wait a year to, um, after they were married, to live together or to sleep together, which, by the way, had to have been the dumbest idea, um, the dumbest tradition ever invented. But, uh, but back then, in those days, marriages were arranged. arranged. This was the issue, uh, meaning your parents got to choose your spouse. I mean, can you imagine that for a second? How terrible that could go if your parents got to choose who you married? That's what they did. And so when you chose a wife for your son, what you would have to do is you would have to pay a huge price to the bride's family. This was called a bride price or a dowry. And that part of the tradition doesn't sound so bad now that I have a daughter. Um, I think maybe we should bring that part back a little bit. But um, basically, the groom and the groom's family, and most of this would be from the groom who is paying this price, would want to make sure that the girl is not pregnant. And I understand that. That makes sense to me. And so what they would do is they would wait a year after they would get married to live together or to sleep together just to make sure that she's not pregnant with somebody else's child. And so for that whole year, they are considered fully married. And to get out, they they would have to go through the proceedings of like a divorce. So it would just get really messy and they'd have to get a divorce. So that's where Mary's at. So she's, she's married uh, kind of like engaged married. I don't know. It's kind of hard to explain. Uh, she's not living with her husband, and she hasn't ever slept with her husband, but that's where she's at. She's in this time period between being pretty much married and fully married. Okay. And so she's engaged to this guy named Joseph. So the angel came to her, and he said, hey, greetings, favored woman. Now, real quick, just want to point out, because I know some of you guys, you love your Mary. Okay. It does not say perfect woman. It says favored woman. Mary was this messed up, jacked up, horrible, terrible person just like you are and just like I am, okay? That's the honest truth. Mary was a sinner just like you and just like me. In fact, the word favored here, the word technically means full of grace, meaning God is showing Mary his grace. And the Bible uses the same word, just in case you didn't know, to describe us, okay? Favored woman, Mary, We're also favored, those of us who have given our lives over to Jesus. And so like us, Mary is a recipient of grace. She received it. She doesn't doesn't give it, okay? Just want to clear that up real quick. So that's what's going on here. He says, greetings, favored woman, this woman that God is showing you so much grace. He says, the Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled by this statement. She's freaking out a little bit. Because here's this angel, just shows up out of nowhere, starts talking to her, says, hey, greetings, favored woman. She doesn't know what that means. Remember, we talked about last week how when angels and people, when they mix within the Bible, most of the time, it's like the, the, the people freak out, all right, because they're afraid, they, they pee their pants. And so that's what's going on here. And so she's deeply troubled by this statement. She's wondering what kind of greeting this could be. She doesn't know if this is good, is this bad, what's the deal? And so then the angel told her, he says, whoa, Mary, stop freaking out. It's okay. Don't be afraid, Mary. For again, he repeats himself, for you have found favor with God. This is not a, good, this is not a bad thing, Mary. This is actually a good thing. He says, now listen. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. And he will be great. 
And he will be called the son of the most high God. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. Basically he's saying, hey, this isn't going to be, there's no dude, no guy who can walk around on earth and say, hey, I produced that kid. No one can say that. This is actually from God. God, in a sense, will be the father of this, of this child. He says, he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. So this angel shows up on the scene one day. I don't know what Mary's doing. I don't know what's going on. And the angel comes up and says, hey, greetings, Mary. This is really good news. All right, don't freak out. You don't have to be afraid of me. Everything's going to be okay. But Mary, you are going to have a baby. And you are going to name him Jesus, and he is the king. And meaning, he, this baby is this Messiah that your people have been waiting for for the last 2,000 years. Like, this is it. It's happening. And God's going to use you. I mean, think about it. God came up with a plan to fix our sin problem through what, what God calls the Messiah, through this Savior that God's been promising the Jewish people for for 2,000 years, and here we find out what the plan is. And Mary's the first one. She gets to hear what the plan is. I mean, think about it, all right? God's big plan that the Jewish people have been reading in the Bible, that's all throughout the old, woven throughout the Old Testament. His big plan is to go to a ninth and 10th grade no-name little girl in the middle of nowhere who's undereducated. She can't read. She'll never do anything probably extraordinary in her life where her only future is to live with her carpenter husband in this tiny no-name town for the rest of her life. I mean, think about it. That's the big plan. It's not what anybody would have expected. You would think that God would go to like, I don't know, the emperor of Rome or something. By the way, who owns the world at this point in, in history? He'd go to a king, or maybe he, he seems like he would go to a prince, or maybe some head of government. But what God does is he skips all the important educated people, and he goes to this ignorant, poor little girl who's probably insignificant, not just in her town, but within her own family. And God goes to her and says, you know what? I'm going to start with her. I'm going to do this. I'm going to save mankind through her here in this tiny little town. And that's what he does. I mean, think about it. God changed the world with this little girl. And our world, even today, still revolves around this event that happens 2,000 years ago. I mean, it's the line, right? Like, there was the, the world before this, and then this event happens, and then the world completely changes. Like, everything's different when Jesus is born. And the world has not been the, been the same since. And so here's Mary. She's hearing about this for the first time. It's probably a little overwhelming. She's like, what is going on here? And so she comes up with a really logical question. This is what she says. She said, she, Mary asked the angel, she says, how? How can this be? She says, since I have not had sexual relations with a man. Here, it's probably a little maybe awkward for her. She's like, uh, you know, you're an angel. I'm from earth. You know, we, uh, things may work differently here. I don't understand how this is going to happen, she's saying, because I've never had sex. So, like, how can this, how can this be? She wants to know how. By the way, isn't that how we are? I mean, think about it. Isn't that what we do? We always want to know how. We always want to know, like, the little details. Even when we pray, let me think about this. Even when we pray, a lot of times, we just don't, it's not just we ask how, God, how are you going to do this? A lot of times, we dictate the how, all right? Like, God, give me happiness. And the way, the how you do that, God, is 
give me this and this and this and this and this. That's the formula for you to make me happy. Like we dictate the how. Or, hey, God, um, I want you to heal this person over here. And how I want you to do this is I want this procedure to go well. And I want this medicine to work. I want this doctor to know what they're doing or, or whatever that might be. And I'm not saying it's wrong to ask. It's not wrong to ask. In fact, the Bible, God encourages us to ask. And that's a good thing. But I'm just saying we need to remember that we don't always have to know the how. We don't always have to control every little detail. We don't have to dictate. Sometimes we don't even have to understand the how. And so Mary, she asked the question that probably every single one of us would ask, how? This doesn't make any sense to me. How will this happen? Next verse. He says, so the angel replied to her. He says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and therefore the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Again, not son of any guy walking around. This is the Son of God. And he says, and consider your relative Elizabeth. Now, we remember Elizabeth. We talked about Elizabeth last, last week. She's kind of the start of the story. Remember, she was really old. No, not old. She was well along in years. Come on, guys. That's, that's what it, the Bible says. Of course, here the angel calls her old. Yeah, she's like too old to have a kid. And so he already does, she, or God already does a miracle through her, and the angel's just pointing it out. He says, even she has conceived a son in her old age. He says, and this is the sixth month for her who was called childless. This is a lady who couldn't have any kids. And so now she's at the end of her life. She couldn't have kids when she was young, and now all of a sudden she has a kid. He says, for nothing will be impossible with God. And so here's Mary. She asks the how. And basically the angel comes. He says, don't worry about it. He says, well, the Holy Spirit is going to come on you. And the power of the Most High is going to overshadow you. He doesn't give her the details. He doesn't tell her exactly how it's going to happen. He's like, hey, God's going to do it. And just remember, God could do whatever he wants. Nothing is impossible to God. And so Mary responds with this. She says, see, okay. She says, I'm the Lord's servant, said Mary. May it happen to me as you have said. And then the angel left her. Now Mary's not a perfect person, but she does give the perfect response here, at least at this time. See, she isn't thinking about herself. I mean, think about it. She's not thinking about what she wants. She's not thinking about what she's going to get. And I think for a lot of us, I think we view, I don't know, the Christmas story as, uh, as just, you know, we have this like scene in our minds of you got the manger and you got, you know, they're in this like barn thing or lean-to or whatever it might be. And you got the, you know, you got Mary and Joseph and this perfect little baby and you got the, the shepherds are there and you got the wise men giving gifts. And then you got, you know, you got your donkey and your sheeps like they always got to be there. And you got a star with maybe like a bunch of angels on top, I don't know, singing or something. Like this is kind of like the view or the idea of the, the birth scene of what was going on. This is what we think of the Christmas story where everybody's just happy and everybody's just joyful and there's no issues. That's not reality. I mean, do you honestly think that Mary getting pregnant would keep Mary's life drama free? I mean, you've had kids, right? A lot of you guys. You know, kids make life more complicated. I mean, her life's about to get complicated. It's, she is engaged. She is married. I mean, what is she going to tell Joseph? God did it. You know, like, like, this is a miracle, I swear. I didn't sleep with anybody. This just happened by chance. 
You think he's going to buy that? Like, you don't think that's not, you, you don't, do you think that's going to cause some issues? Yet here she says, and she knows this, she probably doesn't know the full scope of what this all means and how, how you know, what she's going to be able to tell everybody, because this is all just happening, here, you know, real quick. But here she says, I mean, her answer is, I'm the Lord's servant. Whatever God wants, I'll do. It's not about what she wants. It's not about what she can get. It's about what she can give. And so here, at this point, we have this young, engaged, slash married teenage girl in the middle of her engagement period. By the uh, Just a reminder, this period of time is to make sure that she's not pregnant. All of a sudden, she shows up pregnant. You know, it's just a, kind of a mess. It's not easy for her, that's for sure. And it's not just Mary this messes up. I mean, I think a lot of times we overlook Joseph. Joseph's in this too, right? Can you imagine how painful and humiliating this would have been for Joseph? Like, this was embarrassing. This was his wife. The girl that you just married, you aren't, you aren't even allowed to move in together. You haven't even touched her. You can't really spend time with her. And this girl that you just spent months, if not years, working for so you can pay her price, so you can pay her bride price, this girl that you have committed yourself to, and likewise, who has committed herself to you, and only you, is pregnant. And if you're Joseph, you don't know anything. You don't know what's going on. You can't believe it. All you know is that you're not the dad. And when Joseph confronts Mary, she tells him it's a miracle baby. <laughs> God did it, that, that, that there's no father. You know, I'm sure Joseph, when he confronts him, we don't have this in the Bible. The Bible doesn't tell us, but they're in a t- small little town. And I'm, I'm sure this happened. And, you know, so Joseph confronts her, and he's just like, really? Are you kidding me? You're going to insult me by telling me like that? Obviously, that's not true. And so Joseph, the Bible says, being a really good guy, the Bible calls him a righteous man, which, by the way, if the Bible's calling you righteous, that means you're doing pretty good for yourself. And so Joseph, being a really good guy, he did not want to embarrass her because he's a good guy. And so he decides he's going to divorce her Quietly. By the way, legally, during this time period, he could have had her stoned for cheating on him. So he's getting ready to have the awkward conversation. You know, the, the normal, this isn't working, you sleeping around and stuff <laughs> doesn't really work for me. And so this is what happens in Matthew chapter 1. It says, but after he had considered these things, right, he's trying to, he's taking it all in. It's, it's not great news for him. He's embarrassed. It's humiliating. He, and he's trying to figure out what to do about that situation. So he's already decided, you know what, I'm just going to divorce her quietly. I don't want to embarrass her. I don't want to embarrass her family. I don't want to do any of that. He says, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, hey, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Because what has been conceived in her actually is from the Holy Spirit. He's probably going, you've got to be kidding me. She was telling the truth. You know, like, <laughs> he's probably a little relieved as well. He says, she will give birth to a son. And you are to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Because there's something going on with this Jesus. He's going to be the Messiah, the Savior. He says, now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. They're, now they're quoting from the Old Testament through the prophet Isaiah. This is what Isaiah says 750 years before this time. It says, see, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son. And they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated, God is with us. It says, when Joseph woke up, he did as the Lord's angel had commanded him. He married her. But he did not have sexual relations with her until she gave birth to a son. And when she did, he named him Jesus. 
So now Joseph's on board. But it's still awkward. I mean, everybody in their community, they see, it's obvious that Mary is pregnant. It's not like the angel goes around to Joseph's family and says, hey, by the way, your, uh, your new daughter-in-law, she's actually, is actually a baby from God. And, and the angel doesn't go to Mary's family and say, hey, your daughter, it, everything's good. She didn't sleep around. This is, this is a miracle. The angel doesn't do that. Right? They, remember, they live in a small town. You know all those small towns where everybody knows everybody's business? Some of you guys, you're those people. <laughs> you live in those towns. You're like, oh, yep, mm-hmm. that person I could tell you. Yeah, that's what's going on. That's the, the type of place that they're at. And so when Mary's out and about, she's doing her thing. She's pregnant. It's hard to hide that sometimes. And, you know, it's, oh, there's Mary. She got pregnant during her engagement. Oh, yeah. Oh, she's the one who cheated on her husband. I mean, her reputation has got to be shot. And then there's Joseph, who marries her anyway, which indicates to everybody that actually the baby was his. And so now, not only is Mary impure to everybody watching on the sidelines, but Joseph, he's messed up and impure as well. And so both of their reputations are messed up. Both of their reputations are destroyed. And I don't know about you, but my guess is that I don't think this is exactly how Joseph or Mary would have imagined starting off their lives together. Mary, she did not get the storybook wedding that she had always dreamed about. And by the way, just because Mary lived 2,000 years ago, don't think for a second that her hopes and dreams are any different from yours. It's not how either of them envisioned starting their family. But here's Mary who says, her response is, hey, I'm God's servant. Whatever God needs me to do, whatever I have to do, I'll do it. And here's Joseph. His response, he just obeyed. See, leading up to the first Christmas, it wasn't about what I want. It's not about what I'm going to get. It was about what can I do. And so I just want to use that really as a reminder this week as we all get ready to go into this busy, crazy Christmas week that we're all getting ready to go into. Just got all this stuff. Our schedules are full. We're trying to wrap things up at the end of the year as well. My question to you is are you more about giving we're getting one or the other. See, I think for a lot of us, as we listen to this story and, you know, we're like, oh, okay, well, you know, Joseph and Mary, they kind of give up their lives to give. They, they, to give into God's plan, really. You know, we think, well, I, you know, I'm not there. I don't, give, I don't give that much and I do, you know, expect things in return. I do expect, you know, and so I think for a lot of us, it's easy for us to kind of wave the white flag and say, okay, 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 that's me. All right. Yeah, I'm too much into the getting. I should be more into the giving. And if you feel that, I just want to say that's the Holy Spirit (laughs) working on you. That's God saying, hey, that shouldn't be there. But I think a lot of us in here, we resist that. We put up maybe more of a fight against that. And some of us, you're thinking right now, you're like, that's what I do, actually. I give. And, and maybe naturally you are a, a giver, or you feel like you give, you give, you give, you give. But the honest truth is if you look down deep, you actually expect something in return as well. Maybe it's a thank you, maybe it's some, a little attention, or maybe it's a little recognition, maybe it's appreciation. Maybe you just want to feel loved. See, even when you're giving, and I just want to point this out, even when you're giving, you're still focused on getting. 
By the way, you know this is you, is that when you give and you don't get the recognition or the appreciation that you feel like you rightfully deserve or you don't feel the love that you feel like you rightly, rightfully should deserve, and if, it, if that bothers you, that's you. And so I just want to remind us as we go into this crazy week to remember that, hey, it's not about getting. It's not about the thank yous or the appreciation or whatever that might be in, in your life. It's probably different for a lot of us. It's about the giving. And here are two perfect examples for us about what giving during the season actually means, meaning giving with no strings attached. When you start thinking a little deeper about that, that's a lot harder than it seems. So I think that's a good reminder for all of us as we get ready to go into this crazy week. Let's pray. God, we thank you um, for these words. And Lord, this is hard. It's hard to be more into the giving than it is the getting. But God, we ask that you would help us to, uh, to be more giving. Help us to be generous. That's what you've called us to do, especially as Christians. I mean, this, is, this should be huge. It should be so easy for us. But God, man, it's not. God, we ask that throughout this week that you would really point those areas out in our life where we are more about the getting than we are about the giving. And God, we, again, we ask that you would help us to be more giving. Lord, we thank you. We also ask that you would help us reach out to people and, and help people find you and invite people to church this week. No, best, no better time throughout the year. Lord, push us and challenge us. Let's pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.